I just got to a place where I had to follow the magic. So many different things happened to make this transition work that they were signs to me almost. They were guideposts that said, keep pushing. You're listening to Chats with Kat, where I catch up with my fellow millennials every week to share their journey of self-actualization, overcoming fear, and paving the way for a soul's purpose to shine through. Let's start that right here, right now. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Chats with Kat. I hope you're all doing amazing. I hope you all enjoyed your Labor Day weekend. I have to say that I am in a very, very, very good place. I am really happy. This past weekend, um, the organization that I started, Goddess Council, launched its website, goddesscouncil.org, and the team, the amazing team that we have put together made it happen, and I'm just so grateful that these women understand me and that we can work together and that we have a very, very similar vision for life, and we have a common understanding of what this means, and we're just invigorated to make sisterhood and creating community a thing, something that everybody embraces and something that women everywhere feel is accessible to them. And obviously we're just starting in New York, but hopefully one day very soon we can begin launching in different cities and towns because what I have the, the love that I've received from God's counsel thus far has filled me up in so many ways and I just can't imagine my life without it at this point. And I really hope that we can share this with millions of women at, at some point. So yeah, we launched the website and it's finally going. We have an events page and we have events going and uh, planning is happening. Meetings are taking place and I just feel really rooted in my purpose obviously this podcast means a lot to me and I have so much fun with this show but building community and being around women and inspiring them in real life and just having that one-on-one interaction is very important to me and it's critical for my own well-being so this has been pretty emotional all of this and um just everybody who I know who's a part of this is just beginning to feel like they are my sisters and um they were put in my life to to help make this a reality and um yeah I'm just really really happy I've been staying up till like 2 a.m for the past few days working and thinking and brainstorming about let's jump into this week's shout out uh it goes out to Gayatita. they left a review that says this podcast is a perfect blend of self-care while still working towards your goals I love all of the wonderful insight Kat is so relatable and does a great job with guests Cayetita, thank you so much for your review. I really appreciate your love. Please DM me on Instagram or Twitter or just send me an email so that I can mail out some free merch to you as a thank you. For those of you who are listening, leave a review in the Apple Podcast app for a chance to be shouted out next week. I'd really, really love it if we could get my reviews up to 100 by the end of September, and I'm about 40 short, so please help a sister out. I have about... 50 stickers left that are just waiting to be mailed out to people so if you leave a review send me a screenshot send me your address and i will send you some free stickers i really mean it so just do it (laughs) i want to send out the things okay let's jump into this week's guest um i am so 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 excited about this interview 
It is with Chloe Taylor. A bit about her is that she's a badass curriculum consultant and educator. She works primarily with early childhood, elementary, and middle schools to integrate STEM programs into their work. As you will learn in our chat, American education is kind of behind in a lot of ways. And I am thoroughly inspired by Chloe because what she is doing is something that is not seen in many schools and what she's implementing is not very common and what further inspires me is that chloe is basically carving out her own lane not only are women typically kept out of spaces that relate to stem education and stem development but there aren't many black women doing it and chloe is literally out here killing it she has two businesses she's been featured and promoted and sponsored by amazing companies and she's really making a difference in the lives of many many kids and the way that she views all of this is just revolutionary quite frankly i think that she has the potential to expand and to create agencies and to do all of the things because she is just a ball of energy and has a lot of passion behind all of the things that she's doing throughout our chat we touched base on career pivots and manifesting amazing opportunities leaning into fear some of her favorite resources in the tech field and she also gave advice for women who are trying to get into stem education or just into stem in in general i have never met anybody like chloe and i probably never will and i'm just really happy that i got a chance to share her light here I'm sure you'll love Chloe because she has amazing things to say and I just want to remind you that if there's anything that is shared here that really impacted you, please share it with some of your friends and people that you love because that is the whole point of the show. It's to spread insights, to inspire, and I really think that you should just pass it along to somebody that you know would benefit from it, okay? Without any further delay, here is my chat with Chloe. Hey, Chloe. Hey. Thank you for sitting down to chat with me. Of course. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. I am very excited to be chatting with Chloe. Chloe and I met at The Wing, how many months ago? I think it was March. 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 So I was just telling Chloe, I always enjoy the interviews that I do with people who I already know because it just feels so comfortable. And not to say that I don't like chatting with people who I've never met up until the interview. I just want to know things about you that I just want to know. For sure. And I love listening when you interview a friend. And Mm -hmm. I know both of you. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like I learned some new things about people that I already know. Yeah. It feels like a little nosy, but also great. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's exactly what this, I want this to be like, like a chat. Like, I just want people to feel like they're a fly on the wall, you know? Mm -hmm. So, Chloe, you grew up in Pittsburgh. Yes, I'm from Pittsburgh, PA. Mm -hmm. I'm proud. Yes. Uh, Are you an only child? I am. How was that? How was it growing up as an only child in Pittsburgh? I really, really loved it. I feel like I had... A childhood that was so safe and predictable and I had my mom and dad there my best friends lived across the street you know the dads came home at 5 30 we ate dinner we rode bikes oh wow that's awesome yeah and I you know I've been living in New York for 10 years and I appreciate all the color and flavor that New York brings but I do think my childhood gave me a really steady solid predictable but in the best way yeah uh foundation yeah i think that when you have that stability as a kid then you are able to then be like okay well i'm safe and i'm okay let me go play and let me go imagine and you know do all these crazy things because your life is stable it's not in chaos 
Uh, I've never been to Pittsburgh. Like, how would you describe it? Aside from what you just said. It's changed a lot. I think the great part about my predictable, kind of safe and nurturing childhood was that, you know, nothing really changed in Pittsburgh. Um, but that also meant that it was you were either a black person or you were a white person. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't really meet anybody of another background for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I never had a mango or an avocado. Wow. Or, you know, mm-hmm. it was very, like, small-town USA in my mind. Um, but that's changing pretty rapidly in Pittsburgh. There's a lot of tech. There's a lot of um, uh, robotics and automation that's coming to Pittsburgh. So it's becoming more of a futuristic city. Ooh, I want to tap back into that. But before we get there, I want to know what drew you to New York then? Was it all of that? The fact that you didn't have the diversity that you wanted to know what it was like? It was all of that. So uh, my aunt and uncle and my cousins live in New York. And visiting them, New York was like super cosmopolitan. And this is where I've always wanted to be. So now as an adult, I appreciate like that small town, predictable lifestyle. But as a kid, I was dying to get out of it. I mm-hmm. thought, I haven't seen the world yet. I want this fast-paced life. Um, and so I just always knew I wanted to move to New York. So was this like, so this was part of the plan always? Part of the plan. So you went to, so you got your BA in robotics from Carnegie Mellon University. Well, I went to Carnegie Mellon. I got a BA in history. Ah. In national relations. And I got a You got, one. I have a BA in IR. You, really? Yes. Yes. What? <laughs> I never meet you know people what? with a BA and IR. Yes, I did. And I, I'm, I'm grateful that I was in the humanities and in what is called like decision science yeah. or whatever they call it because I feel like a more well-rounded person mm-hmm. now in tech. Having that other side, mm-hmm. bringing those two sides together is really helpful. Wow. I had no idea. So then... If that was what you majored in, how did you then transfer over to robotics? Was it because Pittsburgh was like this yes. tech city? Yes. Ah, okay. Yes. So the short version of a long story is that um, Carnegie Mellon has a summer program for teenagers. And um, somebody came to my high school and said, look, you can live in a college campus, you know, over the summer if you'd like to. And I'm like, I will be there. Absolutely. So... I lived at the campus for six weeks, and they said, you know, you're going to have to study robotics, computer science, material science, information systems. I'm like, great, yeah, 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 fine. And I was not good at it at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At all. That's really hard. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was a hard, it was, for me, it was really challenging. Other people were breezing through it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I grew so much that summer because, you know, I was pretty sheltered. Mm -hmm. And so to be away from home, all these new people from across the country, um, all these new fields of study that I'd never even heard of. Um, it was a big growth spurt. So then I went to Carnegie Mellon as an undergrad, majored in the humanities because I still thought of myself very much as, you know, being into English and history and literature and those types of things. Yeah. And, but then, you know, well, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that. There's a whole journey there. Mm, I want to know all about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but when I moved to New York, so I had all these technological skills, I guess you would say, but they weren't fully, they hadn't fully manifested. They were kind of interests of mine, but I always considered myself to be 
like I, I wanted to be a historian, right, or work in political science or something like that. Um, and one thing that I wanted to do was get a master's degree. So I was I applied for the New York City Teaching Fellowship, and the teaching position that I got was to teach kindergarten. Yeah, to New York City. Yeah. And I loved that. I thought it was like this great study of human development and it was like very boots on the ground. And in some ways it was that. And in other ways, it was a nightmare. <laughs> really? Yes. Tell me about that. So I actually definitely wanted to get into this because yeah. you, you worked as a kindergarten teacher for close to five years, right? More than that. Okay. So I worked in, I taught in Manhattan for five years. Okay. And whoa <laughs> teaching kindergarten is not for the faint of heart mm -hmm. in many ways um i think in one way people underestimate you so greatly the way that our city and our country views educators it's just so tragic really yeah i can see how that is i mean just in most states they don't even pay teachers fairly right. for what they have to do right it's like battle pay it's yeah. so <sighs> okay so there's that side that it's underfunded you know you you're asked to do so much you have so many children in one class um but for me what was really hard was that when i first got to my school i felt like there were I remember coming from college and people looking at me in this way of being really innovative and really smart and, you know, creative and then getting to be a kindergarten teacher and people thinking of me in a, in a completely different light. Hmm. Um, and I met some awful people that were also kindergarten teachers. Really? <laughs> at the school? Yes. Mm. And they were, I, I, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today, you know, it was just, I just moved to New York, just got my first job thinking kindergarten, you, when you, when you think of some like kindergarten, you don't think of, you know, hostility and aggressiveness, but right. at times there, it was that and it's New York city. So everything is very competitive. Yeah. Um, I remember going out to karaoke with my colleagues. This is a random story, but I went to karaoke with my colleagues, some of whom were not the nicest. And um, one of them said, I know what I'm going to sing, Nellie Country Grammar. And um, <laughs> if you can think of the lyrics to Country Grammar, the N-word is said many times mm -hmm. in that song. Mm -hmm. And she almost like tauntingly sang this song to me and other people in the room were so uncomfortable and I was also so uncomfortable of course but what I realized in many of the years that I was a teacher I let the personal power that I knew I had be taken away I I didn't even react in that moment and it surprised me that was a real wake-up call for me that I let the perceptions and the stereotypes of what people thought of me um, take my power away. Hmm. Um, me today, that story would have never come. <laughs> <laughs> the Chloe, I know what. What? Never. This girl might have gotten to the first lyric and would have been shut down. But you know, the whole song played out in a really taunting way, and I just was 
too scared to say anything because of the politics of all of it right Right. because you would have had to go back to work and then if you would have said something like it would have gone yeah i could see yeah that's that's a difficult position to be in surprising but Mm. well i mean so what were some of the major takeaways though that you got from this because i'm sure that this kind of got something going in your mind because soon after this job you ended up embarking on your own entrepreneurial journey totally totally. so So, there are a lot of things that being a teacher specifically a kindergarten teacher will teach you and um, one of them is to be super resolute kids will ask you for something until they really (laughs) know you mean no Mm -hmm. Um, I think I got really I, I have a total What's the word I'm looking for? So when I say no, I mean no. Mm-hmm. And I mean it with my whole, my whole being. Mm-hmm. And I learned that from being in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I learned also that I'm not defined by my occupation. Had I gone into a different occupation that had maybe people had a higher regard for or, you know, worked in a different setting, I think I wouldn't have had to look inside myself as much as I did when I realized that I felt powerful and I felt strong and I always thought of myself as that way and Mm. on the outside people were not seeing me that way Mm. and that had to change it became my drive just I didn't want to live a life even though I liked my job on the surface I did not like how people treated me in that job. And, you know, from parents to kids sometimes, um, I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. So, okay. That's, yeah, that's a lot to take in because, you know, when I think about teachers and I mean, even the way that I grew up, my parents always instilled this like level of respect for your educators like these because they understood like these are the people that are going to be with my kids when I'm not there. Right. And I'm trusting them to instill values and to educate them and to make them well-rounded individuals for the future. Mm-hmm. And I mean, kindergarten, yes, they're young, but like those are some formidable years, Totally, <laughs> yeah. formidable years. Totally. So yeah. I don't understand how like a parent would you know treat you poorly given that you're going to be with their kid for so many hours parents Mm. and it also was cultural Ah, okay lots of parents from the caribbean um saw and held that belief that this is your parent in my absence right the school is going to handle your education whatever they say at school that's what goes yeah right um that was the same for i taught a lot of international students so Kids coming from Japan, coming from Korea, even, you know, kids coming from India and their families were completely respectful, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, Scandinavian families. So it, it almost depended culture by culture sometimes. Mm. And it, it was sad to see that, you know, as American as American education goes, there's just a totally different from my perspective, a totally different reverence for the role of the teacher. Mm. That's something to to let sink in because, you know, when we pull back the lens, all of those countries in particular are very adamant about uh, prioritizing education. Right. Japan, what? Yeah. South Korea, what? Right. Scandinavia, right. 
Sweden, Denmark, they are like up there. So like, why wouldn't we as Americans want the same for our kids? That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. It's, you know, they say America eats its young. (laughs) And I mean, I feel like I've worked enough years to feel like that's not entirely untrue. Mm, That's, yeah, that's so unfortunate. Well, so... In 2013, correct me if I'm wrong, you embarked on your own journey and co-founded Camp Fort Green. Yes. So Camp Fort Green, the miracle that is Camp Fort Green. <laughs> so I met two local moms in 2013 who had little ones at the time, three and four years old, I guess. And they just wanted me to put together some simple summer activities and have a sweet little summer that was a little more structured than just being at home. Mm-hmm. Um a place where they could be with their friends and learn and do pretty, you know, constructive activities. And so a friend of mine and I embarked on doing that for 10 children. Mm -hmm. It was very smooth and sweet. And every year it grew and grew and grew to the point that we almost have 200 kids. Wow. 40 staff members now. What? That is wild. Yeah. So, this was did so did those mothers approach you when you were teaching yes and i still taught for years into it um got it out of fear out Mm -hmm. of fear even though clearly the energy was there and you know most businesses fail in the first five years yeah um but there we were profitable out out of the gate Mm -hmm. so i mean i think back all the time what stopped me from just taking a chance each year even though it was doing well I still felt compelled to have a million other jobs including teaching tutoring consulting I was working myself so hard every day and especially being with children is the most draining (laughs) experience I can only imagine I mean that you can imagine anybody who's been around a child (laughs) (laughs) so doing that day in and day out working on a business it's rough Hmm. you obviously had something though because why would they go to you to develop something that did not exist if you didn't show them in some way shape or form that you had a creative mind and that there was something about the way that you worked and the way that you taught that was worth asking to have their kids around you during the summer when you guys are supposed to be off true i think the there was still, even though I had largely lost a lot of myself in the work that I was doing for years, I think there was still a little seedling there, like a still, still a little entrepreneurial seedling of hope mm-hmm. that I could make something of my own. Mm-hmm. And they saw it, and other people saw it, and then I started to see it in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when my whole story changed. So... Three years after you founded Camp Fort Green, you ended up founding Tech Fort Green. Yes. Right? So this is all happening, like, very close to each other, mm-hmm. right? And you, you're also still doing your other jobs as well. Yes. At what point did you decide that you were just like, okay, goodbye to everything else. I just want to be my own boss. I want to be an entrepreneur in whatever that means. I, at what point, I think my spirit decided for me. I really do think that. Hmm. I was spending so much time either complaining or being tired or talking to my friends about how hard work was, 
that I truly think I've just burnt out mm -hmm. and I just could it wasn't a sustainable way to work or live um, and my spirit really just gave out and I don't even see it as being a choice I made there was never a back and forth for me I just woke up and said to myself I'm going to take a chance I have everything I've been doing so many things and I have everything I need to make things happen and I'm just going to do it. But did, was there like some kind of plan, like some kind of preparation, like I need to save this amount of money before I quit, I need to do this, I need to do that? So camp had been going well mm -hmm. all, all along mm -hmm. and it was always an option for me. It was literally fear holding me back. Wow, okay. Fear. And I think, you know, our parents and our parents' generation is and how you've said in previous shows, you know, they're, they're looking at you in a way that is delusional. Yeah. You're not just going to manifest something. You're yeah. just not, not going to manifest these bills. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. You, you, you need to have a steady job and a backup plan. Yeah. And I just could, I, I'm telling you, my spirit, I always say, I, I I worked so hard, I died, and I was reborn. Wow. Like, I, I did. I so you did. spread yourself thin. Very thin. And so much of my energy and time was spent bickering, complaining, complaining about people that I knew or worked with. It was a drain on my spirit. And yeah. I don't think that my work was good at that point. Mm -hmm. And I was desperate to just get back and put some life into what I loved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean... A hundred out of a hundred entrepreneurs who like leave their traditional jobs to launch their own businesses experience learning curves in one way, shape or form. Yes. And if we're talking about previous generations and our parents, oftentimes our parents kind of choose like the safer route. And, there, you know, some of us are lucky to have parents who were entrepreneurs and who could be like, no, do this and guide you in the wilderness is like what Brene Brown would call it. Mm -hmm. But um, for you, I don't think that this is something that your parents did before. No. Right. What were the thoughts going through your mind when you were just like, okay, when September rolls around, I'm not going back. And you entered the wilderness. What were you thinking? I think that my whole, I think that the whole battle for me in the past 10 years has been trying to accept God's plan for my life mm. and coming to a place of surrender and trust and all along in so many different ways I fought that mm. and I just got to a place where I had to follow the magic so many different things happened to make this transition work that they were signs to me almost they were guideposts that said keep pushing and when I actually got clear and focused on myself and, and thought about all the things that had to happen in the universe to make it so that I could live and sustain myself and pay my bills and get health care and get contracts and get yeah. clients and grow. It's not by accident. That's true. It, no, no, in no universe would all of that have come together on an accident. So when I turned inward and thought, this is a gift to me and I'm not going to squander it. That's what, that is the energy that I run on every single day. 
I really do. Any any challenge that has that I've confronted, whether it be tax, you know, f- like trying to figure out what my tax status is, or trying to find health care, or whatever it may be that you know an entrepreneur faces, somehow it's worked out, and I don't believe that that is accidental. Yeah, yeah, I believe in that as well, and you know kind of going back to the fact that we know each other from before like we've had some really good conversations one of them was actually this week and we were talking about manifesting like manifesting the hell out of the things that we want and you know I was kind of in my head and you were just like cat go do it be in it like don't you see like you have a light like you have something you can follow and I think that the only way, the only reason you were able to tell me that is because you were able to see it in yourself. We've been conditioned to doubt ourselves and stuff, which is, you know, unfortunate. But women like you are changing that. And um, and I'm like really honored to know you. I'm honored to know you. And I feel like you are. I feel like we're making like you say delusional in the best way. <laughs> we're yeah. making an echo chamber in the best way. Yeah. All that I hear from you and your work and your shows, your Instagram, and literally everybody else that I follow <laughs> and are friends with is you've got this. Follow the magic, follow the light. You are strong. And anybody who says otherwise, I just delete, unfollow. Yeah. I forget about. Yeah. I have to almost brainwash myself every day into believing that I can do this. And I. You know, I, I forget that there are so many women. We talked about this this week, too. There are so many women and people in general that don't have those support systems in place. And it's much harder. Yeah. So to have somebody backing you and to hold a mirror up to say, look at all the things you've accomplished, it just brings this energy that just rolls and grows and becomes bigger and just you can't help but be successful that way. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true because the people that you keep around you won't let you not succeed. They won't. They won't. So, I mean, like, when you embarked on this, did you have a, a solid group of people who were doing that for you? You know, I definitely think being a member of the wing has helped me meet like-minded women. Um, my friends and family have been super supportive. I definitely think, though, that people don't understand what you're trying to do when you do things on your own. And I have encountered a few people who have reacted negatively. And I, I spent a lot of time thinking about why, like why would somebody intentionally either question you or doubt your accomplishments or, you know, not be the nicest in trying to fuel on your dream. And I think it's because when somebody in the same situation as you does something different, it's a reminder that, to that person that they also could do something different but haven't. Mm. Some people are happy doing what they're doing and some people are not. And there are people that choose to buy into all this kind of like magic of the universe, mm-hmm. right? And then there are people who think that will never happen for me. And the easier route is to criticize the people that took the jump. Yeah, that's true. And, um, you know, I was listening to your show a few episodes back and thinking about when it's time to let those people go. And that's a hard thing to do, especially if you've been friends with someone for so long. But 
it's necessary in your growth. Yeah. And that echo chamber is the only way yep. to move forward. Yep. If you have somebody doubting you, they've got to go or yeah. they've got to change. And you can't change people. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it has to happen on their own. Yeah. I mean, sometimes these people are family. So it's like you can't really get rid of them completely. But I think it's a matter of like rearranging the priority of how often you talk to them, how much of their opinion you request or allow, you know, or just like, you know, like you see them around, but you'd start distancing yourself. But if it's especially like, I mean, some people cut off their family, which if it gets toxic enough, like I totally understand. But if these are especially like friends and stuff, you have to kind of check them. Like you have to understand like, yo, my dreams, number one. Totally. If you're trying to like, you know, throw balls at my i'm like okay how could i how could i explain this i'm like i have like a dodgeball game going on in my brain and i'm trying to explain it like imagine yourself being the dream and people throwing dodgeballs at it like the people throwing balls at you need to go and you need to have somebody to come hug you you know what i mean and i think that's not what we've been taught no we haven't said unlearning um we've we've learned a lot of habits that i think are designed to hold us back I can't think of another rationale for them. Yeah. Um, being polite and, you know, work putting others above ourselves, even when it damages us and, you know, holding on to relationships for the, for the purpose of just having them for a long time, right? Um, it's time to break all those rules. Yep. They're not serving us. And you really can't care what people think about that. Yeah, that's true. Well, I want to get into the techie, nerdy things. Yes. So, you, so let's go back to the fact that you ended up getting a certificate in robotics and yes. teaching robotics. Yes. I want to know why you decided to actually go into robotics after you know getting a degree in IR and, and art, and then how you ended up developing curriculums for these yes. kids. Yes. So, I mean, my career in education, I'm, <laughs> sometimes I make it sound horrible but it wasn't <laughs> it was a comprehensive education for me I learned a lot of skills including curriculum development and at a certain point I realized I should just go back to technology there's a there's a really special relationship that I have and an understanding I have um, when I'm thinking about technology that I'm noticing a lot of my friends and family members and their kids absolutely don't have We live in a very digital world, and part of that is that we are consuming technology. We're watching videos online. We are listening to music. We are playing video games. We are engaging with technology, but it's passively. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, switching back and forth between our apps all day long. Um, But it's from a consumer point of view really for many people only yeah and if you said to someone okay here's your phone can you make an app that would do the same thing that you're doing all day I don't think a lot of people would know where to start right or you know I think we're in a a a strange time where we're surrounded by technology but we have no control over it really that's true and even less so people of color yep and women Um, I mean, a lot of women who have business ideas, maybe they want to start a company and they need an app for it. And they're like excitedly telling me their idea. Oh my God, I want to start this. I want to start that. 
but I need an app, and then I need I need to find out how much that would cost, and then I need a team of developers, et cetera, et cetera. And so a lot of my work is rooted in the belief that we need to learn technology from the foundation. And so a lot of that work is with children. So I create programs that help children understand how robots work fundamentally, mm. how to code and communicate with machines, how to 3D model and create models in uh, 3D software and 3D print them so they have a physical object. Because it's not complicated. It really isn't. It looks magical, but it's not magic. It's really science and technology. And I feel that a lot of adults have a block. When I start talking about these things, their eyes glaze over and they shut down and they say, I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about that at all. Mm -hmm. You know, or my son knows about that. Tell him. Mm -hmm. It's a dangerous place to be. Yeah, that is. is a very dangerous place to be. Pretty soon when you order an Uber on your phone, nobody will be driving it when you get in. It will be completely robotic. And that's coming as soon as next year. So it's a scary idea for a lot of people, mainly because they're just so unfamiliar with what a robot even is Mm -hmm. or how it works on a basic level. Mm -hmm. And so my work is really um, centered around easing people into understanding that we need to empower ourselves with the tools we have around us. Children, I find, don't yet know what they don't know. Yeah. And so they're not afraid to make a mistake. You know, if I try to explain a simple task to, you know, my parents or something, you know, you know, attach, it, attach this file to an email and send it to me. They, know, they could do it, right? These aren't hard tasks, but there's this kind of anxiety that comes over people that they think, I'm going to look stupid, or I don't want to make a mistake. Am I going to break something when it comes to coding? I don't even know what that is. Yeah. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not dumb. I don't want to look dumb, and I don't want to look dumb in front of you. And so I'd rather just not do it. But it's not going to be a choice. <laughs> it's not going to be a choice for us very soon. We're going to have to be able to understand how to control the world around us. And times are changing. Very quickly. Very, very quickly. Um, a lot of our jobs will be automated. And we're going to have to find meaning in life that is not centered around work yes yes absolutely but i mean what for you when you ended up going back to get the the certificate Mm -hmm. how did you feel during that time because you had taken a break from actually you know learning tech and like you know the ins and outs and Mm -hmm. uh, the ins and outs of it so did you feel like that in any way did you feel like you had a blockage i always do I always still feel it, Mm. but it's not that I don't feel it. It's that I push past it. And I think, you know, even working with Girls Who Code, I've been working with Girls Who Code for three years now, a lot of the magic of the program is that you're learning computer science, yes, sure, but you're also learning social-emotional skills that will help you push past the anxiety that you might feel in a hostile room of all men. Yeah, that makes or, sense. Or um, presenting your work to a large crowd or, you know, submitting 
an app or something that is very, very challenging, it's also teaching you ways to cope and to be brave and to represent yourself well. And so, yeah, when I learn something new or if I take a new class, I still feel very anxious Mm -hmm. and I still feel like I don't want to make a fool of myself and that people might think I'm not smart or whatever anxieties that come up, but I have trained myself to push past that feeling. And the more you practice it, the better you are. And so when I feel that when I'm speaking or doing a, an event or presenting at a conference, I have exercised that muscle. And that's helped me tremendously. So you've leaned into it. Totally. You've leaned we into have it. To. We have to as women. If we don't practice that. Yes. I know a lot of women who feel like I just can't take that risk. I can't, I can't get up there. Wow. That would never be me. And yeah, we all feel that way, but the people that can push past will eventually succeed. That's key. That is that is absolutely key. Now, you know, there's talk that um, there aren't a lot of women in tech, At all. you know, and nonetheless, black women right. in this field. And I was actually preparing for this interview and I came across this article that stated that while 40% of male graduates with STEM degrees work in STEM related jobs, only 26% of female STEM graduates do so. That suggests that for every two female engineers employers hire, they're losing one to some other profession, which is really interesting because going back to the fact that like, remember how we were just saying how a lot of these women are competent, Mm -hmm. they are able, Mm -hmm. but why, why are they not getting these jobs? Well, I think it's important to highlight the history. So we women and women of color have always been a part of science and technology. And even if you look at movies like Hidden Figures, you know, you see that there were entire departments of women, women of color. We were part of the narrative all along. But the job of being a computer was not seen as being a prestigious job until it was. Really? And so I feel, I know that as the prestige and the importance of the job changed, a lot of the demographics of the job changed. And there's a lot of discriminatory, um, um, there's a lot of discrimination in science and technology. And it leans towards being dominant and dominated by men. And I was just talking to a woman today who said her sister's an engineer at at a company in the South and every day, Every day is really hard for her at her company because she faces gender discrimination. Like, and this woman's just telling me, oh, like it's very, it's just her every day. You know, she makes a cup of coffee and then she's discriminated against for being a woman or doubted. And it's become very commonplace um, and almost accepted, I think. Have you experienced this? Like in the fields that you've been in, have I, you felt like that? I have to say, I I consider myself to be an entrepreneur, but somebody who's in more of a hybrid of education, technology. Um, So I feel like I'm in my own lane. And I also feel very competent at what I do. And so I used to feel that way all the time. I used to feel imposter syndrome. Oh my God, what if I can't, 
And there have been many times where it's like, I don't know this computer language. I don't know exactly what I'm doing here. And I have felt super anxious. But I've come to a place where I own my own company now. I know the work that I'm doing. I feel completely confident in it. I know my stuff. And I can bring my best self to the table. And it's really hard to cut somebody down who feels that way. Mm-hmm. When we're not empowered, it's really easy to let a side comment or a microaggression or you know, a discriminatory practice get you down. But when you've really become steadfast in yourself and your own power, it's much harder for somebody to knock you down. I th- feel grateful that I've gotten to that point. Yeah. I am just, I wonder for those women who are going into offices where like it's all men and they're trying to present their ideas and they're trying to pitch things. Like how do they nurture that part of themselves? The confidence when they are constantly being triggered and like constantly being suppressed, you know? Totally. That's a, that's a great question because I think for me, becoming a facilitator of Girls Who Code, even though the program is for girls, it's designed for girls that would be going into their careers in a few years. So it's prepping them for the skills that they would need to go into an environment like that. And strangely enough, even if you're already in that environment, doing these little lessons yourself and thinking about your worth and the way you carry yourself and the way you talk and the things you will and will not do Teaching young women those skills have such an added benefit to yourself. I think it really did that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even thinking about the way we speak, saying things like, I don't know, I think, before we are giving a correct answer. Yeah. Or that's just a suggestion, or can I please, or may I please, or. Um, being the first one to get up and during a meeting and get the water or the coffee and things like that. Um, I think that we do a lot of, there is discrimination for sure, but I think we also do a lot of self-sabotage. Yeah. Because if you don't quite feel worthy being there, then you're going to act in a way that also shows that you don't feel worthy of being there. Mm-hmm. And we need to be careful of that. I my friends and I, I really try to be um, cognizant of the words we're using. And I'll, you'll hear me correct myself, right? Um, but our, the way, being really careful with the way that we're presenting ourself in that, ourselves in that space is step one. And demanding the respect that we are deserved is also a big part of it. Working with young women who are going into that field is a great way to pass on knowledge and to help ensure that this doesn't continue and and that it's not normal and that discriminatory practices in the workplace need to end now. Yeah. Um, But it's it's a proactive way. Working with young girls, it's a proactive way to go about it. So that's a really good point. So I think... I obviously am not in that field, but I can only imagine like if you are a woman that is going to a nine to five job where you're subjected to that, 
volunteering or becoming part of an organization where you're preaching things and you're assisting and you're trying to facilitate something will obviously make you reflect on what you're doing in your everyday life yeah. you can't just tell these girls like don't but like, don't allow somebody to do this and then go to your job right. and be like oh well isn't this the thing i told them not to do so it'll exactly. prompt you to you know to think exactly. about it exactly it does work that way mm. it does work that way and then you know it allows you to network with other women in the field and build community because you could very well feel isolated and we know just from conversations we've had yeah women are reaching out for commu community across many different states just looking for that community online in person in the city in certain fields we need that to thrive yeah yeah because that's how we pass along knowledge and we're able to like confer about things and just be like oh like this is what's happening like has this happened to you how did you deal with that and pass along this information that is there it's out there we we, we just don't have access to it at the moment and who the hell's going to give it to us if right. it's not each other right you know like what are we going to go to those men and be like hey <laughs> i just got um bullied by somebody oh, right. but our coworker. like how would you no like they're not going to understand what right. that feels like um, so, I mean, aside from girls from girls who code, are there any other organizations that are doing something similar to this? Definitely. Um, built by girls has a mentorship program. Um, black girls code holds workshops that you can volunteer for. Um, trying to think of some other, pro the girl scouts actually hmm. have added some STEM badges now. So their badges are not just selling cookies and you know they always had kind of a, a business or entrepreneurship element know, to it yeah but now they have a creative problem solving you know um, like a more of a stem in influence so getting involved with girl scouts i mean there there are tons of organizations that are working to um end the gender gap in technology and you know support all of them all the time yes <laughs> yes are there any for adults you know going back to what you were saying there are a lot of adults who have this block and who don't feel like they could ever learn but it's like actually it's funny because if you think about our myspace days yes a lot of us were coding when a we were changing women got into coding through myspace i remember going into my into the mm -hmm. code and being like i don't want that color yes and adding media players here and like yes. when i think about it i'm like that was actually not that hard exactly. Like, so how do we do that? Was. Right, exactly. Nobody really said to you, now you have to sit down and you know learn this formatting language. Well, you just did it because you needed to. Yeah. Um, this is a great question. I get it more and more, and it would make me happy to run workshops where people could really learn these introductory skills. I don't really know of any right now that teach. Um, well, let me let me let me think. <laughs> well, I mean, we could just pay you to set up a curriculum, <laughs> no, and we could just go to summer camp with you. I would love to do that. <laughs> if you're if you're trying to le learn to code specifically, I have a friend named Maya who started a company called Coffee Encoded, and she runs lots of educational workshops that are amazing and helping people adults learn to code. So I would highly recommend that. Um, there are lots of coding boot camps. Again, you'd have to really look. I would recommend looking into them 
extensively and talking to people who've been to them. My experience with a lot of them is that it's a lot of men who actually went to school for computer science mm -hmm. and then just are doing a boot camp. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, something that I would love to do because I get this question even randomly from Instagram or you know through my email, um, people want to play. A lot of my, my teaching is based in making slime and <laughs> 3D printing fossils or whatever it may be. Like there's a fun sensory aspect to it and it takes away that anxiety of learning something that is very challenging. Yeah. So, you know, play is a really integral part of my life and it's something I would love to do. Well, I mean, I want that. So <laughs> even on a personal note, yeah. I might just like yeah. hit you up and like when you get back totally. from your trip, be totally. like, so are you ready to work? Totally. <laughs> I want to play. Yes. yes, it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. And I mean, like I see your videos and I see pictures of the kids and I'm just like, wow, I wonder what my life would have been like if I had those kinds of things going on at yes. such a young age. Yes, I think that's what my work is based in to the idea that some of these skills are so far out of reach for kids, but if they weren't, their lives would be completely different. When you can sit down in a, at a computer and just create something out of midair, right, and then pr 3D print it and have it in your hand, what could you have made all of this time? Yeah. What, could you, what did you need all of this time that you thought you could never have? And now you really do have the power to make it. And so that that fuels me every single day. This work is important. It's really important. And I, we don't know whose live life we're touching. And we don't know what they'll create out of this. But I'm so excited to find out. This is, this is I think, in a lot of ways, what you're doing is revolutionary. Because, A, you're, you're, you're getting the kids. You're, you're, like, kind of... You're 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 teaching them and you're, you know, giving them confidence to, to create and, you know, a diverse group of kids at that. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's it. When they go back to school and there's a problem, they're not, they're not going to be like, oh, I can't do it. They're going to think back at camp when they coded that thing and they printed it. And they're just gonna be like, no, I, I can do all these totally. things. I know I know I can do this. And that's obviously going to translate later on. But, um, you know, I think that you touched on a really good point earlier where it's like times are changing. And the last thing that we want is our is our kids to our, our kids to not be able to move forward with the times or to like totally. become dependent and not be able to like go inside of the totally. technology and to like change it to and, and make it make sense for their lives. Totally. But, you know, this idea that adults should also, mm -hmm. I think, reflect on our blockages and be like, well, you know, we still hopefully have a long way to go on this uh, in this lifetime. Right. So things are going to keep progressing and what i mean do you always just want to be the consumer and do you want to feel like you don't have control over what you over or a say right. in what you're consuming or would you rather just like play and actually passively learn skills or not even passively like intentionally learn these skills that will translate into things later on where it's like even if you don't know how to do one thing you can collaborate with other people and together you guys can figure it out right and one thing i say to kids when i'm teaching them or if i'm talking to their teachers I make sure to say, this is what it, this technology looks like today. But next year, it may be different. And in five years, it will for sure be different. So I want you to understand how it works on a basic level so that you can learn again and again 
into the future. It's really important to have that mind, mindset. It's all about mindset. Mm. And we're getting there, but we need to get there quicker. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, we need to get there quicker. Yeah. So, I mean, like when you're creating curriculums for each summer, you have to do it all over again. Yes, that's... and I do it for schools that really want to have something that's interactive and hands-on and feels natural um, and isn't kids getting on a computer for hours at a time and zoning out. Screen time is not positive for kids, but when they do go inside of a computer, when they do build, when they do uh, create something that runs and works, it, it's so satisfying for them. Yeah. I mean, what's that like when you see it, when, you, when you're able to witness a child have that moment of clarity? It's the best feeling I think I've ever felt. When a child has an idea and then they take the skills that they've kind of, not passively, but like you said, like in a non-threatening way, they've been learning these skills all along. And when they're able to put them together and create something, it's like a bolt of lightning. It's the best, it's the most rewarding feeling that I've ever felt. And it's why I'm so passionate about what I do because I know then that that child's life is going to be different. Yes. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And it's not, you know, they won't have that fear because it will be so natural for them growing up. It will be something that they've grown up with as opposed to just jumping into in college or in high school. And it, it's a pride, I feel. It's a deep pride that I feel and a pride in something that's really important. I love that because yes, you like your work is so important and it, you are basically shaping the future because you're making these kids, you're changing them and you're, 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 you're creating a solid foundation for them to be confident adults in the future and to be problem solvers. And in particular, I mean, like I, I can't I, imagining a world of like confident young women who are like taking yes. over these like super technical complex yes. industries and, and adding, and and being a voice for other women who have like never been represented it just makes my skin crawl like right. because it's just like that's a, that's a dream yeah think about how many businesses or ideas or products or just all the things we lost along the way because that girl couldn't execute her idea yeah on her own yep that is what gets me up in the morning mm. no more lost ideas Oh, I really like that. We've got to be able to get to a place where we can iterate ourselves and, and make a prototype and we know the channels to go through and we can do it on our own. When you rely on others or, you know, paying people with money you don't have to produce something you can't make, no more lost ideas. We're going to get into that. an era of empowering ourselves i i feel so lucky to be alive right now yeah we because, should yes we i should. really do think that you know i i i have to say since the presidential last presidential election a lot of things have changed for the bad but there's always a silver lining and i think we're understanding that nobody is here to protect us we have to do it on our own and that means protect ourselves and our time and take care of ourselves find ways to make money 
find jobs, create jobs. It's a wake up call for us. Yeah. We can't rely on our government for these things. And so in a weird way, <laughs> more uh, motivated than ever before. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you have to advocate for yourself totally. and you have to have your own back. And that means facing the truth. It's like, you. I mean, in particular, like technology, I, I hear it all the time where it's like older people are just like, oh, technology is going to take over and this and that. And instead of flipping it and being like, oh, technology is going to take over. Let me start taking these classes. Yes. Very few people think that way. It is It is mindset. It is mindset. It That's is absolutely mindset. mindset. You want to have because, yes, technology will take over. Yeah. But we're letting it. Yes. <laughs> we are letting it. We have to have more agency in the matter. Yep. And, you know, I see older people who do have the mindset and they also understand that in many ways it can make their lives much easier. Yep. But when you don't understand that, the term that's, that's used is digital native and digital immigrant. You're almost an immigrant in your own life because you're struggling to speak the language and you're struggling to understand there's a barrier there and it, you have to have this sharp learning curve um and i don't want people to be in that position and yeah. they can't avoid it mm -hmm. i believe that oh my gosh this conversation is so good <laughs> um so were there any resources that you turned to during this transitional time to like nurture your entrepreneurial spirit, books, conferences, uh, workshops, or anything like that? Yes, for sure. I have to give a shout out to Ladies Get Paid. Yes. Ladies Get Paid is everything. I'm surprised when I talk to women who are not on it. If you are not on it, go to ladiesgetpaid.com and sign up today. I'm not affiliated with them, but I've gotten money off of Ladies Get Paid, okay? Yep. Like... <laughs> Don't play yourself. Yeah. Get on. People are posting jobs. People are looking for collabor collaborators. People are giving really good advice about how to negotiate. Um, that's my number one resource. Amazing. For sure. As a self-employed person, I've had to know my worth in a new way because, sadly, people are actively trying to underpay me all the time. Mm. And if I accept that, I will cheapen my work and my standard of living will go down. And it's not okay with me. Yep. And so ladies get paid offers a lot of salary negotiation or contract negotiation advice that I take and use and have been successful with. Amazing. Yes, definitely get on it. It's a Slack channel that you have yes. to basically like submit to get uh, invited into and then once you're in there you get to you get access to all those different channels and you get to ask questions and be engaged and mm -hmm. you know you they get dibs on yeah um, ladies get coffee yeah I and every once in a while I'll meet a woman that says oh yeah I've heard of it but I'm like girl <laughs> well you don't you don't like money <laughs> <laughs> okay I, I mean and I'm on there <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you don't want yours, yeah. I guess I'll have it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. There's no shame in saying uh, I have a lifestyle to uphold. Yeah, I have resources. I, I know things. I know things. I need to be compensated for the work that I do. Yes. 
And in my case, I'm one of ver a very select amount of people that are doing the work that I am doing. So I've spent my whole life coming to this place of expertise and I want to be compensated for that. And people do compensate me for that. Yes, yes, yes. I love to hear this. Yeah. It I think we've been taught it's impolite to ask for the money or or that why would anybody pay me that much? Mm -hmm. Why would anybody give me that much money? Mm -hmm. You know, I hear people say that all the time. Mm -hmm. Again, if you don't want it, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's some leftovers over there. <laughs> if you're a woman or just anybody who does something exceptionally well and you're being underpaid, stop today. Take a good look at yourself. It's sometimes not even just about you. It's about the the women that are coming after you. Yeah. It it's not just about your bills. It may be, may be about your family that you support. Yep. What you don't really need a justification, yeah. but please stop. <laughs> please stop taking less than you're worth. Yeah. It's not a good look. And again, 2018 is a different animal. We're not doing it anymore. Yeah. Facts. Facts. Um, do you have any advice for women in particular, women of color looking to get into tech, but feel intimidated by like the, the lack of representation in the field? Understand we were always part of the story. It's not that we're, you know, we, you, you are standing on the shoulders of giants and you have been all along. The narrative is that we weren't there, but that is not the truth. So, you know, somebody sent me a post the other day that said when you feel intimidated or you feel down or you feel like you're one of the only your ancestors are pushing you along yep. the whole time, the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so I think we, we sometimes buy into the hype that we know is not true. Of course, you're going to feel intimidated. Anybody feels intimidated going into a new field or a new job. But understand that there are so many women that came before you and you are not alone in this. Yeah. If you... You also want to get to a point where you do feel like you are at your best, your personal best. When I'm talking about advocating for your pay, if you're mediocre and you know it, please don't go out there. <laughs> That's not who I mean. <laughs> Invest in yourself first and get to a point where you know your stuff. You are at the top of your game. You are standing in your own power. And then pursue your dream or pursue your career. Um, never stop learning. Lean on women around you in communities like Ladies Get Paid, if you're a member of The Wing, um, online communities like Tech Ladies. Um, find support in your area. Yeah. An, an affinity space where you can really talk about your concerns and people can hear you. Um, but you're not alone in this, and you never were. Yeah. Don't believe the hype. <laughs> <laughs> Don't believe the hype. That's a good one. Um, so I have some rapid fire questions that I want you to okay. answer. <laughs> um, what is your favorite time of the day? Morning, noon, or night? 11 a.m. Ooh. That's my favorite time. Cusp. Oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your top three favorite apps? 
Ooh, shine text. Okay, that's a good one. Shine text is everything. Um, self-care is the only thing I'm about these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> self-care is my first priority and work comes second. Um, and I love shine text. I also, I actually really like and love Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think it gets a bad rap because if you are not feeling secure in yourself, sure, it will take you down. Yeah. But if you are and you're out here, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that use it to connect yeah. or show appreciation for the work that you do. And I value it for that reason. Like mm-hmm. it, I learn a lot. I go to new places because I see them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Shine, Instagram, what's another good app? Hmm. Oh, I just joined Bumble Biz. Bumble Biz. Yes, Bumble that's a new Biz. one. I know. I I was on I joined it in Pittsburgh and it was like scary. Why? I don't know. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, the people on there were not looking for biz. I'll tell oh, you that. No. I don't know what was happening. But in New York? In New York it was crazy. <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> I know. In New York, there are a lot of creative people looking for connections. And, you know, you do have to take a little bit of a risk connecting with people you don't know. But, you know, I, I like it. I, I'm, I like having a door open to collaboration. And I think it allows that. I love that. Um, what are some of your favorite accounts to follow on Instagram? Ooh. Okay. Wow, these are good questions. <laughs> I have to say, this is not related to my field, but Patricia Bright is one of my favorite bloggers. Yeah, she's amazing. And her glow up has been inspirational. Okay. <laughs> I'm so happy yes. for Patricia. Yes. I've been following her for what seems like forever. And seeing her evolve every single day, and her new home and her baby. Like, it's just inspirational to yeah. watch. Yeah. Um, other accounts that I follow and love. I'm blanking out. And all I do is, like, scroll the ground. Sexy cyborg. <laughs> real, real sexy cyborg. Real sexy cyborg. Real sexy cyborg. Naomi Wu. Yes. Naomi Wu, you are not. You know what? She has not been celebrated to the point that she needs to be that yet. Naomi Wu is a maker from China, and she is real sexy. She's Mm -hmm. a real sexy cyborg, as Mm -hmm. her name suggests. (laughs) She is very um, intelligent, creative. She works tirelessly on lots of maker projects. But her boobs are out there. Like, her body is out there, Mm -hmm. okay? (laughs) She's doing it because she is empowered herself and... That's how she chooses to express herself and her sexuality. And she's harassed for it night and day. And, you know, you have to really give the girl credit. She's smart. She's in control of herself. And she's out there. She's not stopping for anybody. Yes. I love that. I love that. Um, Aside from your phone, what's one tech gadget that you cannot live without? Ooh. My camera. Your cam. Yeah, that's a good my one. camera. I don't know why, but iPhone pictures just, they don't do it justice. I just, when I see myself on iPhone, I'm like, womp womp. <laughs> but I have a Sony A5000 that I take everywhere. And I just, I save my camera 
shows my camera knows what I want to look like. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and it gets the shot every time. That's my that's my girl. Yeah, you always have it on deck. I do. You pulled it out the other day, <laughs> and it has the Bluetooth, so you just send it to your phone right after. I was like, my oh, camera okay. Is everything to me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, if you won a million dollars, what's the first thing that you would buy? I would pay off my student loans. Facts. Yes, that's a good one. I would pay off my student loans. I, that's it. And then I would just sit on the rest of the money and just keep living my life and be leisurely like. like <laughs> <laughs> it's not about the money. You know what the real bag is? You know when they say secure the bag? Yeah, what's the bag? The real bag in my life has been nights when I don't get a great night's sleep and waking up and saying, I'm just going to sleep for a little longer. And then getting up maybe an hour later and feeling great, mm-hmm. meditating, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the real bag. Mm-hmm. I don't care about money. I care about control of my schedule and my time. Yes, that's <laughs> so true. Paying my student loans, sitting on the rest of that cash, and just living a, a mindful and meditative life is the real bag yes the preach sis that's a good one <laughs> shit yeah people are all here like oh i want to buy a car da, da, da. it's like i just want to have peace yeah. <laughs> facts um last question is if you could be mentored by anyone dead or alive who would that person be oh my gosh wow i mean This is a very cliche answer, but I have a non-cliche reason. I'm going to say Oprah Winfrey. I knew it. I would say the same. And, and you know, the reason is, growing up in Pittsburgh, there wasn't a lot. I went to Catholic school from kindergarten through all the way through high school. Oprah, watching Oprah after school with my mom, she was really the only person talking about remembering your spirit and, like, checking in with yourself and treating yourself, like all these things that actually matter in my life today. Oprah was on mainstream television directly changing people's lives Mm -hmm. and telling them, you come first. You have to take care of yourself. You have to nurture and remember your spirit. And that meant everything to me. Even as an adult, having that, even that one after-school segment did something for me. Mm -hmm. And so... I definitely look up to Oprah. I do love her. And she's very extra, and so am I. So, so, so I appreciate all of her screaming and her, her facial expressions. I do. Oh, my gosh. That's great. That was a perfect way to sum that up. Perfect. Um, Chloe, this conversation was absolutely amazing. I hope that everybody listening goes to your page. Not only do they follow you on Instagram, but just like, you know, check out the services that you provide and like harass you via email so you can start an adult curriculum program. Love, 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 love. Because yeah. honestly, like I need I need like 50 people to just flood your inbox and be <laughs> yes. like, I'll pay you the money. Totally. I will do the things. Just please make this happen because I really do think that that's something that we need. And I, can, I, I can't think of a better person to do that than you. So, of course, I I really hope that all, you know, obviously many great things are going to happen for you. More, more bags are coming your way, more more opportunities, more interviews (laughs) for you, more features, more sponsorships, all the things that you're already getting. But, um, yeah, I just I really uh, 
I'm asking everybody to just like follow you and follow your journey because it is inspiring for me to watch and I haven't even known you for that long, but it's just like great and um yeah i'm rooting for you sis yes thank you cat you 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 know what i appreciate not to be like oh girl i appreciate you too but i do you're beautiful inside and out and you use your platform to support other women and other men that are really doing inspirational things i love the echo chamber of being with you in the days <laughs> listening to your uh podcast and going out with the goddess council and just keep pushing Thank you. Pushing because I love what you're doing and it does a lot for me and my spirit every day. Mm. So thank you. Thank you. You see, it's like a synergistic yes. thing. Going back to just like having a solid crew. Like we're feeding off of each other. So energy recycles. That's this it. is the life. This is the vibe. <laughs> this is what we gotta live for. Yes. You know? But um the only way to make it. That's the only way to make it. But uh yeah, we're over an hour, I'm sure. People actually I'm sure everybody wants to listen even more, but <laughs> yeah. We'll just have to come back another time. You can follow Chloe and you can, you know, just talk to her more on her Instagram and use email and all that stuff. Yeah. So thanks, Chloe. Thanks. I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode. This was a blast to record. I thoroughly enjoyed myself and we could have kept going for like another hour, honestly. I've linked all of Chloe's information, all of the resources that she mentioned in the show notes. So just go ahead and click that to learn more about her. And feel free to share this episode. Take a screenshot of what you are listening to. Put it on your Instagram story. Tag me. Tag Chloe. And, you know, just let us know what you loved about the episode. I'm sending you all lots of love and light. And I will chat with you next week.